Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Na mihi nui. I'm Alison Balance, and welcome to this Our Changing World podcast from RNZ. They're small, brown, and often overlooked. Many of us have never heard of them. But kakahi, or freshwater mussels, were once an important resource for Māori. They ate them and used the shells for everything from cutting hair to rattles on kites. These days, we're finally beginning to appreciate their importance as ecosystem engineers. This week, 200 kakahi were welcomed to a new home in Wellington's Zealandia Sanctuary. This pioneering translocation involves two species of mussels collected from two lakes near Wellington. Lake Wairarapa is part of the rohi of Ngāti Kahununu. Lake Kohanga Piripiri, one of the Tuparangarahu lakes at the entrance to Wellington Harbour, is in the rohi of Taranaki Whanui. I recently joined an enthusiastic group of Taranaki Whanui Whanau, along with staff from Greater Wellington Regional Council and Zealandia Sanctuary at Lake Kohanga Piripiri to collect kākahi for translocation. Despite the cold wind, Taranaki Whanui trustee Holden Hōhaia is one of the keen people willing to brave the water. You looking forward to going in? Yeah, yeah, no, I'm looking forward to it. Feeling the mud under my feet, kākahi in between my toes. Have you collected them before? Never. Did you know anything about them before this project? Not a hell of a lot, not really, but just since I've been involved in the project, started learning about them over the last couple of months. Yeah. Holden is not alone. I think it's fair to say that most of us here are only just learning about kākahi or freshwater mussels. Today is the second of two trips to collect kākahi to be moved to a new home in the middle of Wellington City. Kia ora, I'm Therese McLeod. I belong to Taranaki Wānui. Now, you were out at Lake Wairarapa yesterday? I was with Ngāti Kaununu to get the kākahi out of Lake Wairarapa. It was a, a, a powerful experience. I've never met kākahi before. They weren't part of my family's diet. We didn't live in areas near them, but it, I fell in love with them yesterday in that lake. Did you know anything about them before? Nothing about them before, never heard of them before until about three weeks ago when this idea was sort of socialised amongst our iwi here and I heard about the programme of collecting them to take from Lake Wairarapa in Ka'ununu Territory uh, from our lakes here in Parangarahu uh, and they're ultimately both joining each other together in Zealandia's upper dam. The person here who does know lots about kākahi or freshwater mussels is Amber McEwen. She's studying them for her PhD at Victoria University and it would be fair to say she is a bit of a kākahi fan. It's radiant. I think the kākahi is radiant. It's understated but glorious. It's all browns and greens, isn't it? But it looks like there's a million different, different shades and when you put it in the light, it shines. So how many species of freshwater mussels do we have in, in New, New Zealand? In New Zealand we have three recently described species and one possibly extinct that I'm aware of. And are they common? Are they rare? They're a lot rarer than they used to be. Um, they used to be pretty much everywhere. You'd find huge beds of mussels in lakes and rivers. 
So in terms of their threat status, what are they comparable to? Uh, so both of the species that we're dealing with at the moment um, have got a more serious conservation status than little spotted kiwi and uh, North Island kōkako, just for example. So tell me about their life cycle, because I gather that's really quite curious. Yeah, it's amazing. And all freshwater mussels have this really amazing life cycle where they need fish. They require fish in order to be able to complete their life cycle. So the mum kakahi will brood her babies internally and then when she's ready she'll sort of sneeze them out of her shell into the water and these little glochidia, these little animals that have got these sort of grabbing hooks and they'll grab those hooks onto a passing fish and they'll live on the fish for a couple of weeks, something like that, during which time they'll undergo a transformation into a juvenile kakahi. They turn into this little cocoon kind of thing and then drop off as a juvenile kakahi and the, the fish will transport them away from the adults so they achieve dispersal, which is like a main thing that animals need to figure out how to do to disperse. So a passing fish for them is a bit like a passing bus? I guess so, yeah, yeah, a critical bus. And if it's not there, you die, basically. <laughs> so you've hitchhiked this ride to some new spot and then you let go of your fish, say goodbye, then what happens? Then you become a mystery to science, essentially. <laughs> so we, we know almost nothing about kakahi juveniles, about what they need, where they are. They're pretty much never seen outside of a lab. Yeah, we, we mostly start seeing them when they're about sort of five to ten mils long, and even then it's very, very uncommon to see one in the wild. How big do they grow as an adult? It depends how old they get, I guess, uh, and they can get up to 50 years old. The largest ones would be maybe the size of a medium-sized twirler or a small green shell mussel. So generally they're about the size of a, a large tuatua or large pithy. So the ones on the lake out here you're finding mostly mature adults? This lake here might actually, and I need to do a bit more survey work, um, might be a very unusual lake and might actually have a viable population, including many different size classes, including juveniles. And it may have something to do with this lake being free of pest fish, which makes it pretty much unique. New Zealand. So they sound like real mystery animals to me. They really are, yeah. They're, they're a black box <laughs> organism. I mean, Echodella Aucklandica, which we collected from Wairarapa yesterday, is the, the rarer species of the two. I mean, we know they're a separate species. There's been genetic analysis done. We know that they coexist with the more common species in some cases, and we know a few places where they live. And apart from that, we know nothing about their basic biology, ecology, interactions with other, with other species reproduction, nothing, we just know nothing about them and it's phenomenal for a species that's almost gone, it's you know an endemic animal to New Zealand and we know nothing about it and we're just sort of scrambling to learn about it while we wave goodbye at the same time hopefully not though Today's collecting expedition though is all about welcoming some kākahi that will soon be heading to their new home at Zealandia to help with the move, there are lots of modern white plastic buckets and also some beautiful, freshly woven flax kite. Kia ora, I'm Alison from Radio New Zealand. Oh, tēnā kui, Alice. Ngā hoia. Harmony right. Ada right. Raya Jane right. Kuja Rose right. Can someone tell me about these beautiful kite that you're holding because they're, they're all different sizes and they've got different size holes in them. The bigger size holes kites are for gathering big uh, mussels or something like that whereas for the little ones they're quite designed for the kākahi little ones. These ones will be easier for the water to go in and out so they'll still be fresh as they come out as well. So these are traditional design, is this what you would have done 
back in the day? Yeah, yes, so these will be traditional for um, gathering any... Kaimwana. Kaimwana. Kumara. Kumara. Yeah, Kumara. pumpkin. Yeah. It's like very a traditional basket of... Yeah. Food, food sauce. Food sauce, yeah. <laughs> About half a dozen brave people are wading out into the water. They're wearing wetsuits or waders. And judging by their reaction, I think the water's quite cold. And they've each got a kite into which they'll put the mussels that they find. And it actually looks like they're finding quite a few. So I really don't think it's going to take very long. Time to catch up with Paul Atkin. He's Zelandia's CEO. We've got uh, permission to collect 150 animals from this lake here and to translocate them into the upper lake in Zealandia uh, as part of re-establishing that really special freshwater ecosystem. We're putting these animals back into it. They're a filter feeder, so they, they're basically uh, freshwater engineers. They, they clean up the place. Now, what's the bigger picture that, that this is part of? Because it's not just about the upper lake at Zealandia, is it? That's right, not at all. The Zealandia lakes essentially form the headwaters of the whole Kaifarafara water catchment and um, there's a really wonderful multi-stakeholder project going on at the moment that we've had running for about 18 months now to restore the entire water catchment, not just the freshwater systems in that catchment but actually the forest around it and the biodiversity in it. And of course putting these kākahi back into the upper lake in Zealandia is, is, is both a very real and symbolic um, start to that, that uh, whole clean-up of the catchment. It doesn't have scales, it doesn't have feathers, it's not a plant. It's, a, it's quite a different translocation for <laughs> it you. It is, isn't it? And isn't that cool? And here come the kākahi. So how warm was the water? It wasn't too bad. It was actually, once you're in there, you're in, you know, it's all right. Plus with everyone watching, you don't want to make out like it's cold, you know. <laughs> so what was the process? You were just feeling around with just your toes? Just feel with your feet, and then by the time you get, you get a couple, you realise you just do your, use your hands. Yeah, and just scoop your hand through this, this, the top of the mud because they tend to be sort of heading down into the mud. Yeah. So they're, they're kind so not of, very deep down? No, no, not at all. They're, all. they're all on the surface. Didn't take you very long? No, about, what, 15 minutes? We've got 150. The kākahi are counted out into three buckets. This water um, is a mixture of Zealandia water and Parangarahu water. So that's just spending some time um, acclimatising in this water at the moment. So it's um, for an animal that lives in water, it's a very big deal to go from one type of water to another type of water. It can be quite a shock. So um, we've brought water from Zealandia here today just to make the process go a little bit softer on them so they can um, get used to a mixture of water first and then they'll be transferred into a fully Zealandia water for the trip back to the sanctuary. So they don't get long to acclimatise? We'll probably give them about an hour, which will be enough time to put their feet out and put their siphons out and have a wee filter and a wee taste and, and just get used to it. Although it's been lost in recent years, Māori have had a long relationship with kākehi. It was a traditional food source. I mean, it wasn't the most popular food source because there were tastier options available but as a kai for convenience it was easy to gather on the go I mean you was, you saw that we were out there for what 10-15 minutes and we gathered enough to feed a, a reasonable sized family so you know good protein source 
And look, people say, oh, what about the taste? Well, you know, it's possibly all in how you garnish it and cook it. Um, we're definitely keen to re-establish it so that it's plentiful enough to be harvestable as a cultural food source for us. They seem to be a bit of a litmus test for the quality of fresh water, don't they? Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, I mean, I don't know. I'm still, I'm still sort of learning about that stuff myself. But I understand they're one of the best filtration systems in the world. I think a couple of them can filter a litre of water in less than an hour, and no doubt would would have contributed to the modi of our water, waterways being in balance all the time. You know, unfortunately, that's not not the case now. But you know, hopefully, we can re-establish kākahi in our waterways in Wellington to the point where you know the the modi of our waterways does actually improve. Yeah. So you look like you've got a bit of a production line going on there. Yeah. Can you tell me what you're doing? We'll be grabbing the um, kākahi and then uh, we'll be showering them. And you get a shower and a brush? Yes. <laughs> so you're getting them out of the bucket? Yes, and then we're putting them into a new bucket. So what's with the brushing and the showering? To remove as much as we can of the organisms living on the outside of them. Algae, tiny invertebrates. So you just don't want to take any hitchhikers with you? We'd rather they stayed here, yep. So this translocation today, that's a bit of an experiment? It is, yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of an adaptive management experiment, I suppose. So we hope to help kākahi in the next decade or so in lots of different ways um, now that we've realised how much trouble their populations are in. So one of the ways that we can hopefully help kākahi is by translocating them to new environments um, like Zealandia where people can learn about them but also perhaps translocating them into places where they would historically have been found but have been extirpated which is um, local extinction based on past events which wouldn't take much if you just have one big pollution spill in an area that's um, you know that will do for all the kākahi and without their fish hosts well with a, a lack of of migratory galaxids, which is the wave-based species, to carry them back into those habitats after the spill, for example, um, they can't get there on their own. So we, um, we can help them do that by translocation. So we need to learn how translocation works and how we can make it work for the kākahi um, because we haven't really done that before in New Zealand. Um, we haven't had a translocation that's been intensively studied. So that's, um, that's what we'll be doing at Zealandia. So you collected 50 animals from Lake Wairarapa yesterday. Yes. 150 today from yes. Kohanga Piripiri. You're going to be following them at Zealandia. How are you going to we're do gonna that? We're going to follow them at Zealandia, that's right. Yeah, well, that's something I really enjoy doing. Um, we're going to microchip them, so we'll attach little microchips to the outside of their shells. Um, and they're very, very small um, and very, very large. And we just attach them with, we're going to try a couple of different adhesives. One is a marine acrylate, and the other one is dental cement. So we just attach them to the shell and then just put a little layer of adhesive over the tag so that it's smooth. And we kind of contour it to the shell so it won't bother them. Um, and we'll be able to locate them again without bothering them. So, so you can just take up a microchip reader and wave it around? Is that's that right, to, that's exactly. Plan? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Are you going to be able to get any sense of whether they might breed? How would you monitor that? We've taken a bunch of before environmental DNA samples. So that's um, where you just take either samples of water or sediment and, and try and detect traces of DNA in, in the environment. So it's relatively new for doing this. But we're hoping to be able to in the short term to track their dispersal using that 
um, if possible. Otherwise, we're going to do a little bit of um, fish sampling for the, the galaxy, the band of kokopu that lives up there. We'll do some fish surveying to see if we can find any evidence of parasitisation of the glaucidia. Uh, otherwise, we'll just wait. You know, five, ten years, we might start seeing small muscles come into the system again. It's sort of, it's one of those things that, that to build up a population will take a very, 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 very long time for those guys because they live so long. Kia ora, Amber, and a big thanks to Amber McEwen and everyone else helping to collect the kākahi. I'm Alison Balance, and this Our Changing World podcast first aired on RNZ National on the 2nd of August 2018. If you'd like to listen to this story again, check out the photos, or find more stories to listen to, then you'll find lots to tickle your fancy at rnz.co.nz slash ourchangingworld. You can sign up for our weekly email newsletter there too and find our contact details. We are available on the RNZ app and we are RNZ Our Changing World on your favourite podcast provider. You'll find plenty of other RNZ podcasts there too. We post links to all our stories on Twitter and Facebook where we are RNZ Science. Thanks for listening. It's always lovely to have you there. Ciao for now. Matewa.